The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. the very first episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty, and I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I'm also a avid traveler. I love to travel, and I have so many good stories about traveling. People are always telling me, oh, you should write a book. Well, that writing a book is kind of a daunting task, so instead I've got this recorder and this microphone, and I'm going to share stories with you and also interview other people with their travel stories and this way just say you're one of those people that likes to travel more than you actually get to travel this way you can come and travel with me and hopefully some of my love of travel will rub off on you now in this first episode we're going to be hearing about monkeys and dogs and bats and bugs and tigers and ghosts oh my so you know I'm leaving home Long's the time that I'll be gone And wondering is where I'll be If you can see what I can see You're traveling, I think, personally that anytime you have monkeys around, it makes everything more interesting. Like, you know, say there's a temple, there's a temple, but if it has a bunch of monkeys on it, it just seems more right. fun and more exotic and more, you know, because we don't, we don't have any monkeys. Right. So, right. now you ran into a monkey? In um, Bali, it was Uluwatu, and we went to the temple where the monkeys are all sacred and you don't, don't touch the monkeys. There are a lot of monkeys? Yeah, monkeys everywhere. <laughs> No, you just, monkey is very monkey sacred, monkey. sacred, yeah, everywhere. So we're in the temple, we have to put the skirt, you know, wrap the sarong around you because you have to have a skirt on. Oh, that's right. Huh. Yeah. So we had skirts, my husband and I. So your husband had a skirt too? Yeah, he had to wrap a <laughs> sarong around him. And we're walking in the temple and we see all these monkeys just kind of eyeing us, looking at us. And I had a baseball cap on. Um, Are they looking at you friendly or? No, they're just sitting on the wall kind of like eyeballing you like what's she doing anyway there was this guy selling monkey food and we're like oh no we're fine we're just gonna walk around so we walk around the temple and go up these stairs and you know on the lookout over the ocean and then well, we finish so we turn around walk down these stairs and there's monkeys just lined up all on the rails each side of the stairs and we're just walking down and my husband's behind me and I'm in front got my baseball cap on and all of a sudden this monkey from behind me jumps on my back. Did you scream? Did you I, did, I, I made this noise because he had jumped. I'm like, what is this yeah, crushing me? Right. And my husband was behind. He saw this monkey jump on my back 
took my baseball cap off my head and ran up the tree with my baseball cap. So he stole your baseball cap? <laughs> yes. So, of course, we're looking at this monkey. How are we going to get my hat down out of this tree? Climb and, up um, like a monkey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and then the guy at the bottom of the stairs was selling the monkey food. We looked at him, gave him a nod. He threw the food up to the monkey, and the monkey dropped my hat, and then we handed the guy some money for the monkey food. So <laughs> I think they were in cahoots. It's good. It's a little business right there. Yeah, exactly. It's a monkey business. <laughs> Now, the first day you arrive in a place is usually the most trying because you've had such a long journey, usually. You don't really know what to expect, and lots of times the first day can be a little unusual. All right, I was um, going to Japan to study Japanese for a month, and I flew on uh, this flight, very long flight, from Portland to Nagoya. And then I had to catch a train from Nagoya to Kanazawa, where I was going to be staying with a host family and studying Japanese for a month. Which sounds fabulous, by the way. It was, it was a wonderful experience. But at any rate, I get on the Japanese train from Nagoya to Kanazawa. And it was the first time I'd ever encountered a toilet that was flush with the floor. Flat toilet where you put both of your feet on either side and you squat. Well, I'd never seen one or used one before, but I was really tired. I had bad jet lag. I thought, well, okay, I have to give this a try. So I get positioned there. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I, I didn't have the common sense to actually take my trousers off first, which would have made it a lot easier considering I'm a Westerner. But... All of a sudden, all the change comes out of my pockets, goes into the toilet. My chapstick goes out of my pocket, down under the door, screaming down the aisle of the, of the train. Uh, we're rocking back and forth. It was almost impossible to keep my balance, much less concentrate on what I was trying to do there. Anyway, we get to Kanazawa, and I'm waiting for my... Um, my host family to come pick me up. They come pick me up and take me to their beautiful home and they said they were having a village kind of gathering, a neighborhood gathering with uh, entertainment and everyone would have food there and asked if I'd like to go with them there. Sure. Um, By the way, my host family did speak English. So we're walking down the alley and out of nowhere, this dog charges at me and bites me. Wait, what kind of a dog? It was a small little dog, and uh, it was chained up, but it was like it was hiding there, waiting for me. And uh, boom, I mean, it was on me and bit my leg, broke the skin, I was bleeding. Uh, My host parents, both of them, uh, were doctors, but they were so mortified that this happened first thing as you know after I got to their home. Like, do they have like a lot of vicious dogs there? Or I don't really think so. I think it was just bad luck. <laughs> but 
they were so mortified that this had happened that they kind of ignored it. They pretended like nothing had happened. Oh. So I'm walking down the street limping and slowly my shoe is filling with <laughs> okay. blood. And then I noticed that there's not only blood in there, but there's a pebble in there. And I want to stop and kind of clean myself up. But then we're on the gathering and they start introducing me to everyone. <laughs> and of course, this is all in Japanese. I don't understand what's going on. All I know is my shoes filling with blood. Then my host father says, we're all singing karaoke. You have to sing. And <laughs> I've never done karaoke before. So, you know, I didn't seem like I had any choice. I thought, well, I just have to be a good sport about this. So I limp onto the stage with my host father and get up there in front of all these people. It must like have been, many? I would say, 125 people. And uh, all sitting there waiting to watch <laughs> the gaijin, the foreigner, sing. Well, I'm not a very good singer. We stand there, there's a screen, and the words start. And it's yesterday. Well, if you don't <laughs> hit that on the right note, right from the very beginning, you massacre that song. And I did. They were very good-natured about it, and uh, I got a lot of applause. I think they felt sorry for me. Afterwards, I could hear my host father explaining to them that I'd just gotten off the plane from the Oh, he's very tired. In Belize. Belize, yes. Um, we went into the jungle and just hired this guy off the street to take us into this bat cave. It was like a tourist thing you could do. Right. But we just found this guy. It was called the bat cave? It's a bat cave. I don't know <laughs> that. That sounds like Batman. It's kind of what it's called. Right. But, um, I mean, it was a anybody could do it kind of right. thing but we just found this guy to t drive us up there and it was you know it's off the beaten path and so we get there and um, you're in like a a canoe right so it's just you and your husband, husband and the guy and a guide yeah so we go in start going into this cave the two guys are rowing right. and I have this big spotlight so oh. I can shine the way in into this cave um, and you go in it's for miles, a mile at least. Wow. I'm not sure the exact, but at least a mile into this cave. Um, so without the light, it'd be like pitch dark? Yeah. So we've got the spotlight. We're going in. Um, I am in charge of directing which way we're going, and the guide's saying, oh, point it this way, point it over here, do this. And as we get further in, it gets smaller and smaller. Yeah. Was and it scary? Yeah, it was pretty freaky to begin with. And then um, I'm shining the light. And all the, you know, the bugs start coming to the light. Not all realizing, kinds of bugs. yeah, just I mean, not big bugs, but just you could see them floating yeah. through and shining. Then, as the cave gets smaller and smaller, all these bats start falling down to eat the bugs at my light. So they're flying by me. So what, you've got bugs and bats flying at you. Yeah, I'm, I'm like pointing the light ahead. The bugs are in front, and the bats are flying by, eating the bugs. And I could feel them like past oh my, my ears as they keep flying. I'm like screaming and <laughs> oh, it was terrible. And then part of the what about the bats? What does it feel like to have bats flying at you? Pretty pretty freaky. 
I mean, it was like a big, actually that part was a big, huge area. Like a a big, yeah, it was really high up. Like I've shown it up in the ceiling and you could see all the bats up above. It Probably was really a lot high of bats, up, huh? yeah. And then the cave got smaller and at one point we all had to like duck into the uh, <laughs> canoe to get under this. Oh my God. Like the ceiling was Passage so low, way. yeah. To get uh, uh, past it, we had to go under the boat. Well, that's and under. Well, it's pretty, pretty freaky. I'm thinking, does the water level go yeah, up? What I mean, are we going to get stuck? What happens if there's a storm? I don't know. Yeah. That'd be a problem. I didn't think about that until we were already in it. And then on the other side, it opened back up again. It was big. Right. We come to this ledge on the side, and he gets out, jumps out. Where my husband's holding on to the side. Um, He's still shining the light. I'm shining the light. He's pointing. He's telling me where to point it so he can he can climb up the side of this cave onto this ledge that's kind of up in the air. And the whole time he's going up, he's like mumbling, chanting things in Spanish. No, he was speaking English, but I, I'm really quiet under his breath, kind of like little prayers or whatever. I couldn't hear what he was saying. But he's going up. All of a sudden, he's like shine the light over here, and he, you know he says more little things. And all of a sudden, he holds up a a skull. Oh. He goes, this is a burial site, a sacred burial site. And I'm thinking, well, why are you touching all this stuff if it's sacred? You know, he's like telling us, I'm not supposed to be up here disturbing all this stuff. And we're like, okay, then come on, we've seen it. It's I wonder fine. how and he just old the skull was. Yeah, I don't know. know. He's holding it up in this cave. Yeah, here it is, sacred. And he's like doing all his chants and, and comes down and we go on our merry way to back to the end of the, you know. Sounds like that was fun. Yeah, yeah. Even with the bats and the bugs. Yeah. After that last story with the bugs and the bats, I thought I'd tell my own bug story. I was traveling in India a few years ago with a couple of friends. And India is a fascinating place. I'll have a lot of stories about it. It is basically an assault of the senses. And I was traveling there at the very worst time of the year. It's like 120 degrees pre-monsoon in India. It's, it's not the most desirable time, that's for sure. But because it's so hot at that time of year, very few people travel. And we were in Rathambore National Park, which is in Rajasthan, hoping to see a tiger in the wild. And it's very, very hard to see a tiger in the wild. There's so few of them. Did you know that it's not a matter of if they're going to become extinct? It's basically a matter of when, which is so sad. But anyway, we were the only ones <laughs> in this national park, except for there was a National Geographic photographer and a World Wildlife Animal Enforcer, G.I. Joe type. Anyway, because there was nobody staying at this hotel we were staying at, they gave us two rooms because it was me and two other friends traveling, three of us. So they gave us two rooms. We would normally just get one. And there were uh, scorpions in the room. They were telling us when we were leaving dinner to check your room for scorpions. My one friend that I was sharing the room with got so worried, and believe me, I'm scared of them too, that she tucked, she it's really, really hot, but she still wore long sleeves and long pants, and she tucked her pants into her sock so that if the scorpions were there, it'd be harder for them to get to her skin. But um, they had these rooms with swamp coolers. I don't know if you know what that is. It's like a big, wet fan. You know, it's not air conditioning, that's for sure, but it is something. But it's very noisy. It's huge. It's like five foot tall, wet fan. And my friend that had the room to herself... Um, in the middle of the night got 
a little aggravated with the noise of the swamp cooler, so she turned hers off. Well, like an hour or two later, she woke up in the middle of the night, covered head to toe in bugs. You know, it's like everybody's worst nightmare to be covered in bugs. <laughs> this is like the real fear, fear, fear factor. But um, the next day, we actually did see a tiger in the wild because it was so hot. Um, all the water dries up and there was only one uh, watering hole left, hole left. So we were able to stay around there and wait. And we actually saw a tiger in the wild, so it was worth it, probably. And now I'm going to have a quick airline story because there's so many airline stories. I figure every once in a while we'll throw one of those in there. And if you want to hear more airline stories, I also do some stories sometimes for another podcast. It's Fly With Me, and you can find that podcast at www.flywithjoe.com. Okay, this is a flight coming back from Honolulu, midway over the Pacific. This passenger seated in about, oh, three, in first class, 3E, says, excuse me, excuse me, I think there's something wrong with this passenger. Coordinator goes over and realizes right away he's making these gurgling sounds that he is deceased. Well, she assumes he's deceased. So she gets him up out of the seat and they bring him to the galley and the front galley in first class and call for a doctor. Well, the doctor comes up and he says, well, you know, this, this gentleman is deceased. And so she goes up to the captain and says, um, you know, we've got a passenger and he's, 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 he's dead. And the captain says, well, now, are you sure he's dead? Because if he's dead, we have to go back to Honolulu. But if he's dead in about 20 minutes, we can keep going. She says, you know, let me double check. So she goes back to the doctor and says, you know, doctor, are you really anxious to get home? And he said, well, no, but I do have to be at work. And she said, well, you know, if, um, if this gentleman is dead right now, we have to turn around and go back. But in about 20 minutes, if he's dead, we keep going to L.A. And he says, you know, I think I do feel a pulse. <laughs> so, so, so they, you know, about 20 minutes later, the captain calls her and says, you know, Susan, how's our passenger? And she said, well, I don't know. How do you think he is? He says, well, whatever shape he's in is okay. <laughs> So the doctor says, okay, we're going to call it. <laughs> so, so he's pronounced deceased, and so they keep going to Los Angeles. Well, um, they don't have any place to put this guy. The, the flight's completely full, and this man is very, 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 very large, to say the very least. And so they kind of leave him propped up in the galley in the first class on the L-1011. And so... They can't have this dead person sitting in, laying, half sitting up in the galley. So they tell the passengers that they have to use the restrooms in the back of the aircraft because the ones in the front aren't working. Which is smart. They've got this dead body up there. And they can't put him back in his seat. And there's no empty seats. And they can't get him in a bathroom because he's obese. And so um, they leave him kind of propped up there. Well, this one woman sitting in first class... You know, she's livid, and she says, I want to know why, and she keeps going on and on and on, and this is first class, and why we can't use the bathrooms up front. And so the coordinator, my friend, says, 
Oh, because there's just a dead body up there or something. <laughs> Did the passenger believe her? No, but she snuck her way up the front and saw a dead body up there, went back to her husband, elbowed him, and said, Harry, there really is a dead body up there. There's a dead body up in first class. Now, a little while ago, I was telling a story about India, and this is another India story. It was about our third night there, and we're very, very tired. Uh, we were taking larium, which is a anti-malarial drug that they used to use, and in the last few years, they've come out with a better drug called malarin, which has much fewer side effects, much better, but at the time, um, that was the drug for to prevent malaria and you know you can die from that so we were taking it even though our doctor had told us that you could have hallucinogenic dreams some people might have some crazy dreams so the choice between crazy dreams and malaria of course we opted for the taking the drug larium so it's about our third night there and we were all three of us staying in one room and i hear my one friend get up in the middle of the night to go use the restroom so i'm awake now and i think to myself well maybe i'll go too when she's done this way i won't wake anybody up later so she's coming out of the restroom and i'm coming towards her and all of a sudden she gets this look of horror on her face starts backing up with her hands out in front of her and goes ah! <laughs> I'm thinking what so I'm like oh it's okay it's okay it's me it's Betty uh, I, I'm your friend what's wrong and she's still backing up going ah! like like in a, in a horror movie <laughs> now my other friend is awake and we're looking at the one that's crazed she has this look on her face she's backing up and she's staring at me and she's still like ah! Ah! and so we have no idea what's going on with her as we would find out later with this drug it's like you're awake but you're still dreaming and she told us when she finally woke up really woke up like 10 minutes later that she saw me and I am pale blonde girl but she saw me completely white in white robes like holding a staff like a ghost coming towards her <laughs> and uh, we did get a few chuckles out of that later but then we were in India for almost a month, and so we had some other larium incidents. Another time, it was me. I was. We were staying at a hotel, which happens a lot in India, that we were afraid of the beds and bed bugs and lice. So we had our sleeping bags with us because we were going to be hiking later on in the Himalayas. So we were sleeping in our sleeping bags on top of the bed because we're afraid of the sheets and so in the middle of the night my two friends that I'm traveling with wake up and they see me sitting upright in my sleeping bag patting around in my sleeping bag and they're like what are you doing and I say I'm looking for pottery <laughs> I just like that's normal thing to be doing in the middle of the night and they're like what kind of pottery I'm like oh it's blue and white <laughs> So, I mean, these dreams were real. Even though you're awake and people are talking to you, you're still basically in the dream. And then another time, 
um, we were in the hotel room and I, I, I wake up and I see my friend standing by the bed and she's looking over by like the curtains. And I'm like, what are you looking at at this point? It's almost humorous if you're not the one going through it. <laughs> you know, you were thinking, oh, what did you see now? And I go, what are you looking at? And she's like, what are all those people doing in our room? <laughs> Like, there's no people. She's like, all those people standing over there. What are those people doing in our room? Well, when you're taking that drug, when you come back, you still have to take it. Um, I believe it was four weeks after you returned, kind of like antibiotics or else it wouldn't be um, effective. So, of course, you're going to keep taking it. And I am now working as a flight attendant and traveling. And I was in a hotel room on a layover, you know, a normal American, nice not afraid of the sheets hotel room and I wake up in the middle of the night and I see this pig a pig a full sized pig walking in my room and I'm thinking what is a pig doing in my room <laughs> and the pig gets up on my bed it starts kneading you know like a cat <laughs> I'm just telling you it's the craziest feeling to be seeing and looking at a pig it takes like 15 minutes till it wears off and then you think well, there's no pig in here. But um, thank goodness we don't have to take that drug anymore. I think that's it for my first podcast. I hope you'll join me again. I have so many stories to tell you. I actually can't wait to tell you. So see you next time. Thanks. Bye.